You're listening to The Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. The fastest two-year-old of his crop, not this time. Giants Causeway's most brilliant two-year-old ever and a half-brother to Liam's map, sire of two grade one winners in his first crop. TDN said, too talented a horse with too good a pedigree to pass up. The time is now. Don't let this moment pass you by. Not this time, a tailor-made stallion. Not this time, full of run in the Iroquois. Look for his first two-year-olds this year. Welcome to another edition of the Horse Ownership Experience. I'm Billy Koch, founder, managing partner of the Little Red Feather Racing Club. Joining me, as always, is the great, the talented, the lovely, the precious, the genius, Michelle Yu. Welcome to another show, post Breeders' Cup show, Michelle. Woo! We already got through the Breeders' Cup hangover and everything. I mean, it's really nice. We have a very, very special guest, and we're gonna get it. We're gonna get to him right now. We're not wasting any time. We have Saul Cuman on the line. Saul, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Great, great to be here with you. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm going to read something to you that I wrote down. Normally, I don't do this, but I'm just going to read. For those of you who don't know, uh, this is the kind of weekend that Saul Cuman just had. Monomoy Girl wins the distaff, sells for $9.5 million. Midnight Beast, who sells for $5 million. Whitmore and CZ Rocket won, run 1-2 in the sprint. Authentic wins the Classic. Aunt Pearl wins the Breeders' Cup uh, Juvenile Philly Turf. Uni sells for $4.1 million. Comical, 925000 Empress of the Nile, 875000 Secret me- Secret Message, 625000 Over $21 million sold. And I can't even count the Breeders' Cup wins. One, two, three, four Breeders' Cup wins in a second. Has, uh, two seconds. Two, two seconds. seconds. Who did I miss? Oh, wow, Billy, you can't count. Who did I miss? Oh, Billy. You missed Cowan in the turf. Oh, Cowan. Yes, Cowan. <laughs> Sorry, two seconds. Oh, I mean, that horse killed me, by the way. I had I had that horse, the winner on top with like every horse except for him. Thanks a lot. Oh, th- thank you. Thanks Saul. for calling me before. There Thanks for go. calling me before the Love the I horse. I text you all the time. You don't answer me. I think I might have the wrong number. <laughs> I think you might, because well, I answer here, everybody. Here's my question, <laughs> Saul. Was there was there one moment? Obviously, we can get into a couple of these moments, but was there one moment that just stood out for you? Oh, man. I mean, honestly, uh, there were a couple moments from this weekend that I will never forget. And there were it, it's hard to pick a a top moment. I, th- there were a few. I mean, you know, Whitmore winning the sprint really was, you know, was incredible. I mean, you know, Irad and I have a, a, a super close relationship. Uh, but but everything that Ron Moquette has been through over the last couple of years um, you know, he's just such a, such an unbelievable job, uh, with this horse, seven years old, he was you know, 17, 18 to one. It, it just, you know, it, it was unexpected, which, um, you know, there's a difference between, you know, when you're feeling the pressure, uh, like you were in an Aunt Pearl or a Monomoy girl race versus, you know, going in with a little less pressure. Um, so that was a really, really special moment. And just seeing the joy that it brought to Ron and Laura and, um, and obviously, you know, winning it with them and, and Bob LaPenta and Irad. That was that was a very special moment. Um, you know, obviously, Monomoy Girl, it's hard to beat. I mean, that's, you know, you know her last race for our group. Um, you know, an, just an incredible filly, a uh, once-in-a-lifetime horse. I know people use that, that phrase, but she really is. Um, so that, you know, closure there with pressure, with, um, you know, with obviously a, not a perfect trip. Um, so that was, you know, that was a moment that, that obviously I'll never forget. And then, you know, the Classic had been kind of the one – 
um, really big race that we had it hadn't won, and um, you know it had been kind of on our bucket list of races, and um, you know to be part of Authentic since the yearling purchase with a great group of partners, and um, you know after a tough loss of the Preakness to, to watch him come back and win. That was, that was incredible. And obviously, um, you know, to, to do it with Spendthrift and give them, uh, you know, a win there and just see the joy it brought them. I mean, it was, it was awesome. So I, I gave you kind of a couple answers, yeah, no. um, but, uh, but they were all kind of hit in different ways. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, Michelle, you had a question about Monomoy girl. Yeah. Knowing that she was going to go to the sales. I mean, after she won, was there any, thinking, okay, now we're not going to sell her? Or was there any chatter at all, Sol, about keeping her? Yeah, we talked about it. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it, it, it just felt like the right thing to do. It just, um, you know, she had, you know, she had done and has done really everything right for us. Um, we've, we've held on to some fillies for um, that extra year. Uh, we did it with Uni. It turned out to be an, you know, it turned out to be an okay decision because, you know, she did win the first lady. And obviously, you know, as you touched on before, she sold for, for a lot of money on, on uh, whatever it was, Sunday night. Um, but, you know, most of the year, you know, it's sort of, I was thinking to myself, ah, I'm not sure we should have brought her back. You know, maybe we should have let her go out on top. Um, so there's an, there was an element of that in the back of our minds. Just, is this the right thing to do, you know, by the Philly? And uh, look, we just, you know, we, we made a decision. Um, we thought it would be a good time to sell in terms of maximizing value. Um, you know, we do obviously sell all of our horses. It's just part of our program because we've got to, you know, recycle the dollars. And um, it just, it seemed like the, the right move. And, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully she, you know, I guess they're you know, going to stay in training this year and, and uh, obviously wish the new owners a ton of luck. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they'll be rewarded. Well, I was going to ask you, I was going to follow up on that. Were you surprised with uh, Wayne's decision? B. Wayne Hughes from Spendthrift obviously bought Monomoy Girl, $9.5 million. Is there? Were you surprised with the decision that she's going back to Brad Cox and going back into training? I'm not, only because Brad, you know, Brad kind of wanted her back. I mean, he felt like he felt like there, you know, she wanted to run. She obviously probably just ran the best race of her life. So, and anyone that's going to pay, um, you know, that those type of dollars, I think the idea um, of being able to bring her back and enjoy her for a year is, you know, is something that that owner should be able to do. So I wasn't surprised. Um, and we obviously protected her to a pretty good number. I mean, if she didn't sell for, you know, wasn't quite that much, but, right. um, you know, we would have brought her back and, and, uh, and given and, and enjoyed her for another year. But, yeah. you know, we're, we're trying to balance that running it like a business, but, um, you know, do, in, but also, you know, trying to, you know, enjoy it as well. And, and it was just, it just felt like the right time. When you say protected, um, I think for a lot of our listeners, they may not know what that means. And that means that uh, Saul got together with Bradley Weisbord from Elite Sales and, and they put a number, you put a reserve on these horses. So, I, and I don't know if you're able to tell us what that reserve was. If you are, great. If you're not, that's fine too. Um, but so what, what Saul is saying is there's a point, hey, we're going to make the reserve um, 6.9 million. So, in, and I'm just, throwing out a number in order for her to sell she'd have to sell for seven my question is um are you able to tell us the reserve and if you can't do you know who the underbidder was at 9.5 million oh i don't I, I don't know who the reserve i don't know who the underbidder was okay. um and i know there were a, a lot of people that that took the horse from our reserve to uh you know to where it eventually <laughs> right. sold and, you know I, I had left i left right after the races that night because i had to get home to girl soccer uh, lacrosse soccer yeah. games a girl oh, soccer game i think yeah. it's where we texted from. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I'm not really sure. Okay. Um, you know, and, and there was a reserve that, you know, that was, you know, honestly, probably about half of what she sold for. Wow. Um, but we, 
we protected her above that number. I mean, meaning, you know, yeah. we would have, uh, you know, bought her at, at a number somewhere in between that and where she sold for. Gotcha. But this was, uh, this was, you know, much higher than, than I think, we, you know, we were anticipating. So it was just, you know, just hard not to, uh, not to, not to sell her, but it will be, uh, it will be hard to watch her run. <laughs> did did uh, Wayne, <laughs> wait, wait, did Wayne call you and offer you a small piece, a salt cumin share? No, we haven't had that conversation yet. Okay, so it's not <laughs> yeah, out of the. Yeah, it's not I like out. The, yeah, that means it's not no. Yeah. The okay. door hasn't closed. Well, okay. Uh, so, you guys know me. You know me well enough. Nothing's ever adequate out of the question. Perfect. So we'll see. <laughs> Go ahead, Michelle. Yeah, so, like you said, you uh, your business model is to sell. Um, you know, you don't keep them around and, and breed them. Is, has she been one of the hardest horses to say goodbye to, or is it still Lady Eli? Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely one of, um, I mean, those are the two, right. Those would be the, the, the two horses that were the hardest to let go of. Uh, and, and I think it honestly is, is part, I mean, obviously look, they're both brilliant in their own way and they both came around at different times for us. Um, I, I think the fact that they both, um, were and are so talented and then, and had some adversity, right. Obviously the laminitis mm-hmm. with Lady Eli, uh, and then they, you know, whatever it was, 16 month layoff with the two injuries with Monomoy Girl, um, it it almost just makes it more special because you, you know, during that time you're, you know, you you're just patient and and you know hoping and uh, and bonding and doing all that stuff. And then when they do come back and they come back brilliant, it's it's um, you know it's hard to let them go. This is Salt Cumin here on the Horse Ownership Experience, Salt. We, last time we spoke to you on the show was the Lady Eli days. Interesting that Michelle brought that up. I'm curious to know, how do you think you're different as an owner now than you were back then with, with everything you've gone through, with the, the, the positives, the negatives, everything that's happened? Obviously, you come off a huge weekend. But how are you different as an owner now than you were then? Uh, it's a hard question. I, I, we own probably more horses than we did then. <laughs> so I don't know sure. if it's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> that's a good um, thing. You know, I yeah, it's a good thing. Um, I think we, you know, have made tons of mistakes um, in uh, in ownership. Uh, we've also done a lot of things well, and we've been we've been lucky in some cases. So I think the more experience you get, the more you kind of figure out, um, and it's honestly mostly from the mistakes what what works for you, and and what doesn't, and uh, and we find ourselves, you know, just catching ourselves saying, ah, you know, we made this mistake with this one. We're not doing this or we're not buying from this person or we're not going to go into uh, this barn or this minority situation with this partner or, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, You know, we've had more experience with different people buying horses for us. And I think we are, we now have uh, a team that, you know, I I love um, and trust, which is obviously really important. Um, and, you know, we kind of let them do their thing and, and, uh, and it's, it's been good. So I, you know, I, there's not a lot different. We're still really enjoying ourselves. Um, we've got a, you know, a, a good group and it's fun and, um, you know, and, and we're trying to not, not make the same mistakes time and time again. Um, and we're, we, you know, I think we've gotten a little bit better at it, frankly. Well, obviously, with the success over the weekend, we can see that. Has all the success changed your expectations? Uh, I know uh, for us, particularly, in, 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 we're obviously much smaller, but it's like you feel like every horse should win every time they step on the track. And even if they, <laughs> if, even if they don't, uh, um, you're still in the back of your head like, ah, oh, we should have won that race. Are you? You've had so much success. Success. How does it? How do you handle all these expectations? Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, I, I look at a lot of data. 
Um, so, so every Sunday night, you know, I, I run all the numbers and I get to see all the races that we lose <laughs> and it's a lot of them. <laughs> so, um, because I'm so grounded in that data, uh, you know, I, it, I don't get too crazy about it, to be honest. Um, it's, you know, I think it's sometimes my partners, I've got a, you know, a couple of partners in every horse. And I would say, you know, there are times where I'll have conversations with them and, you know, they'll, they'll call me after a race. I remember I think it was last year after the Breeders' Cup and, you know, I have basically three, three partners. It's four of us that are mad at stables. And, um, you know, he called me and he wasn't able to make the Breeders' Cup and he's like, ah, oh, man, you know, kind of disappointed. We only won two. And I'm like, dude, you know, you know I mean, just, talk about like, perspective. Yeah, and he was, and he honestly, he was, he wasn't, he was, wasn't beating me up. He was just like, I just thought we'd win three. You know, I'm like, oh, dude, man. it doesn't work this way. So, right. it, you know, there's some of that. My dad, who I love, and I brought to the Breeders Cup with me, and it's been a huge bonding thing for the two of us. And, you know, he gets a little unrealistic. You know, I win a race, and I'm like, all right, we're good, we're done, we won one. I'm so happy, and he'll come over and be like, well, we gotta get the next one. And I'm like, no, no, we don't need to get the next one, Dad. We, we got one. Let's we got one. Be happy and enjoy it. So. It's, you know, there, I would say the people around me that are, uh, you know, I feel like they get a little bit more uh, unrealistic than me. I, and this weekend was honestly, I mean, you, you touched on it, it was ridiculous. I mean, I, you know, my, our goal, we had, a, you know, we did have obviously a pretty good lineup. I mean, I, I remember calling Bradley Weisbord um, on my way down to Kentucky and just said, hey, am I, am I looking at this right? Because I looked at all these races and I really think we can win a couple races. And I haven't, you know, I haven't necessarily felt like that the last couple of years. And he said, no, I kind of see it the same way you do. So in my mind, I sort of said, look, if we win a race, um, you know, I'll be happy. If we win two, I'll be ecstatic. And that was sort of where my head was mentally. And, um, you know, to win four is, you know, I, I wasn't in our wildest dream. So it was just an incredible weekend. Michelle. Saul, has, has your perspective then changed on the horses that you want to buy? Is it, you know, before maybe it's like, oh, this is a nice allowance horse we can buy into now. Is it strictly like this horse has to have some Breeders' Cup implications for us to want to buy in? Yeah, it's a good question. I would say um, I would say when I'm buying horses privately now, I'm trying to focus on horses that I think can be great. So I don't know, if, you know, we can't can't look at everything as a Breeders' Cup horse, but right. you know, can be graded stakes level, and then you know maybe you get lucky from there. Um, I, I would say what we're doing more of is we are buying, um, you know, we're buying more yearlings, and um, you know, at, at the beginning. Uh, most of what we were doing uh, was, you know, was, was buying horses privately in Europe and, and in the U.S. off the track, and that was probably 70% of our program. Um, today, it's closer to 50-50. Uh, and, you know, part of what was so special about this, you know, the last couple of Breeders' Cups for us, frankly, is, you know, British Idiom was a last year when, you know, she won the, uh, the mm -hmm. two-year-old Dirt Philly race was a $40,000 yearling purchase. Authentic was a $300,000 yearling purchase. Monomoy Girl was a $100,000 yearling purchase. Um, and then Aunt Pearl was a $325,000 yearling purchase in a, a group that um, that was put together to go to Europe and buy, uh, I think we ended up buying seven or eight yearlings. So, um, you know, we've, we've had six Breeders' Cup wins in the last two years, and four of them have been yearling purchases. And um, and yeah, not that's, super that's expensive. Pretty, pretty it's not up. like they're $2 million horses. Those are really affordable level Right. I mean, I feel like. Correct. Well, yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's the totally point. Right. Yeah. And, and, and Saul, yeah. correct me. I know, Michelle, you have another question, but that was one of the knocks against what you were doing when you first got into the game and had so much success doing your private purchases. People were like, well, they're not buying yearlings. They're only buying private purchases. That's got to feel pretty good. It does. It does. And you notice that, you know, listen, there's always everyone, everybody's going to have an opinion. And 
um, you know, not everybody is as uh, as supportive behind your back as as they are, you know, when they see you. So it's you know the the it, it the sport breeds it a little bit. I don't I don't really understand it, um, but it, it has been something that I've definitely noticed over the last couple of years. Um, you know, I think the knocks against our stable are are you know probably twofold. There, one is exactly what you hit on that we were buying you know only private purchases, and it's much easier. Um, I, I would hope at this point that that um, after the last couple of years that would that really couldn't be a knock anymore, frankly. Uh, and then the second one is that we don't own the whole horse, right? So uh, you know, yeah, uh, I was again, gonna I, let uh, me stop you there because it was I have yeah. this question written down and I was waiting for it and you just kind of ran headfirst into it. You you become the sure, yeah. you know you become the butt of some jokes like you know oh Saul owns every single horse in the race he can't lose and all that you know all this BS that goes around, but. You know, there there's a method to your madness, and you've gone, you've approached this as a business, and that's your business plan. Why is that? Why does that become a butt of a joke? Why is that a bad thing? Can it's you jealousy. explain it to me? Yeah, I, I'm not going to say that. I don't know the answer. I mean, it's listen. Everyone's got their own opinion, and um, you know, when you know, we've we've had a good run, and um, we sort of just touched on what the two things you could criticize us for, and. Um, those would be them. So I yeah. guess, you know, I guess that would be an easy thing. I mean, look, we average owning just under 40% of every horse we own. So um, I think the average last year was 38%. So, you know, sometimes we own a quarter and sometimes we own a third, sometimes we own half, sometimes we own two thirds, sometimes we own 20%. I mean, it comes out to average, you know, 38%. That's what it was last year. So, yeah. I, you know, there, there are lots of people that share horses. Go If you go look at the last everybody winners, right? Yeah, everybody, everybody for does. For some reason, they, uh, they like to pick on us. So yeah. listen, it, it, it is what it is. And, and um, you know, that's, that stuff doesn't, doesn't bother us. I mean, Good. we're here, we're having fun. Um, you know, we're, we're bringing our friends and our family and, and, um, you know, it's, it's a lot more fun to win. And frankly, you know, winning when you're by yourself, um, it's not that much fun. It's, it's fun to win with people. It's fun <laughs> to go down to win. You're talking to a partnership guy. Exactly. Yeah, no, you listen, you know, I mean, it's, it's, that's the whole part of the sport that, that I enjoy when we have a good one, we want to put our friends in. I mean, it's just, I don't get the win by yourself, but it's, it, you know, that's, what's great about the sport is there's no right or wrong way to do it. And, that's why you know, the criticism sometimes is odd to me because I, I don't criticize people that breed their own horses and that's the only way they do it. I don't criticize people that own the whole horse. I don't criticize people that have just one trainer or have 20 trainers. I mean, that's the beautiful thing is there's no right way to do it or wrong way to do it. There's, it's whatever works for you and where you get your enjoyment. And, and that's, uh, and I just, you know, I wish people were, were, you know, all looked at it like that, but unfortunately it's not, not what you always see. Michelle. So since you since you generally own less than half of the horse, what kind of input do you have in the future campaign? I think it depends, right? I think, you know, um, it depends. You know, many of the horses that we own a percentage of that would be less than half, um, sometimes we're, we're putting the group together, right? So we go by Uni in France, and mm -hmm. we only owned a third of Uni. But we bought her and, you know, right. first Mike Depp and I split the first 50 percent and then we bought our partner over and brought Bob LaPenta in and we ended up being a third each. And it's three of us and we bought it. So we bought her. So it's sort of I mean, you know, the horses with Chad, we don't have any problems how, how to manage it or where to sell it or where to run it. I mean, he knows what he's doing. So mm -hmm. the partners are guys I own lots of horses with. So you don't really have issues. Now, that, you know, sometimes there'll be a horse you really like and you want to own a piece and you'll have to decide if it's okay having a minority position and um, you know, and then you have to be comfortable with the partners. I mean, you know, I own some horses with Billy and he's the majority partner and I'm the minority partner. 
Um, I don't mind. I know. I know him. I trust him. He's not going to do anything dumb. And if you know, he calls me when he has, when he wants to make a decision. And oh, I do like, plenty I don't of dumb things. Just remember, we're talking about best three-year-olds this year, though. I was the only one that liked authentic. Billy we, was on some weird Nadal man. Oh, <laughs> now we got to bring that up. He, he does. Casal does not care about that. I, but it's interesting, you know, one last thing to, to continue on that point, and you brought this up earlier. I think it seems to me, Saul, and correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of your decisions are people. Um, you've, yep. you've designed this team with Liz Crow, who's phenomenal, uh, Bradley Weisbord, so many other people, Brad Cox and Chad Brown and all these trainers. But when you're deciding on going into certain horses or who you should contact, you, you said it. You want to be with people that you like, you trust, and that you know have fun. And, and it, I think that's also important. It's not just solely about the horses. It's 100% right, right? I mean, this is, we've all got day jobs and, and you know, family commitments and boards and all kinds of stuff that takes up a lot of time. And some of it's fun and um, it's not as much fun as the horses. So when you get to do this, you, you, you want to be with people you like. And at the end of the day, if, if, if you don't, it, you know, we just move on. We put them on a list and we just say to ourselves, <laughs> okay, look, we're, we're done here. You know what I mean? And, I am and dying that's, to see you know, the list, the black ball list. The, uh, the, the Saul <laughs> list. <No. laughs> the Saul but, list. Listen, we, we've, had, we've had some partners that haven't been great. Um, and, you know, I, and I understand it. And you generally find out what type of partner you're with when things are really good. Um, not when you have an average horse, not when you have a, uh, a bad horse. It's when you have a really good one. And, um, and, you know, you, you, you learn and you just realize, and it, it, you know, you just realize who you want to be in business with. It's, it's, it's like anything. And, um, and that's a big, that's a big part of it for us. I mean, uh, the, 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 the biggest thing for us is the, the people around us that are, that we've trust to, you know, to, to spend our money and buy horses. And you touched on some of those people, Brad Weisbord, um, obviously, you know, Liz Crow and Gatewood Bell, um, that both buy uh, yearlings for us. Donato Lani, who we you know we've been doing a lot more business with, who is He's you know, tremendous at his job. Oh yeah, um, and is is great. I've really enjoyed becoming you know friends with him. And uh, we've got Hubert Guy and uh, Nicholas De Watchergan, the buy all of our horses in France, and both of them have been uh, you know done a great job for us. So that's kind of our team. And um, yeah, I trust everybody, and they're all good at their job. And um, and you know we're we we kind of win and lose together and. Uh, and that makes it a lot of fun. I think it's well, also. How many do oh, you have oh right go now? ahead, Michelle. Sorry. Sorry, I jumped on you. What was the question, Michelle? Well, how many horses do you, How many horses do you have right now, or share of, or in total? Like, what do you, you What do you Michelle, call your stable? The, the, the joy that I'm, I'm. It's funny you said this. I'm looking at a list here of 26 horses that I sold in the last couple of days at the sale, and it's making me very happy. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, they do have prices next to them, so, which is making me even happier. But um, it's, uh, it, it's, so we're, this is kind of the time of year where we, where we really be able to trim and, um, and, and sell a bunch of stuff, and we'll sell some more in January. So we, we generally end up around 150 horses and own, again, as, as we said, somewhere between 33 and 40%. Um, mm-hmm. So it ends up being... You know, uh, fifth bills on fifty to fifty-five horses is sure. sort of the way we look at it. That's where we want to be, and so we kind of do the math on that and figure out. You know, then we obviously we, we pay you know for management, um, and we kind of have a number that we need to you know generate a year for us to be in a pretty good position. And um, if we're able to do better than that, we can you know be opportunistic and add. And if not, you know, it, it is what it is. So right. that's generally how we 
we sort of think about it. Well, I think the the monthly and probably yearly nut was covered last weekend with the over $21 million of horses sold. Uh, Saul Cuman, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Congratulations on a massive weekend. And hopefully at this time next year, we will see you at Del Mar and we'll be having the same discussion. Oh, I love it. Great to see you guys. Thanks so much for uh, for having me on and uh, look forward to seeing you both soon. All right. That's Saul Cuman. Thanks, Saul. See you guys. Bye. Bye. That's Saul Cuman here on the Horse Ownership he's Experience. He's amazing, isn't and we'll, he? Yeah, he's amazing. We're going to be right back. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with Breeders' Cup stuff. Midnight Storm. Striking sire line. Grade 1 winner by Pioneer of the Nile. Just like champion freshman sire American Pharaoh. Striking speed. 110 by 133 and 1. Seven-time graded stakes winner on dirt and turf. Defeated 10 grade 1 winners, including champion Accelerate. Midnight Storm, a tailor-made stallion. Look for his first yearlings this year. And we're back here on the Horse Ownership Experience. Um, Michelle, Saul, you know, he does get a lot of shit. Um, but he has... <laughs> But he really, you know, when he first came, and I, I said this in the interview, it, it was amazing because one of the criticisms was, oh, you're not buying any yearlings. You're, you're just buying at horses that have already been made. And he even said he's now 50-50. I mean, you look at a horse like Aunt Pearl, I can't remember the last time a, a Euro yearling was purchased and won a Breeders' Cup race. You know, and, right. and is undefeated. I, I don't. I was talking to uh, Brad Weisbord's dad uh, over the weekend. We were staying at the same hotel, and he was blown away. He thought that was such an incredible uh, achievement. Uh, from Liz and and Saul and the rest of the team for Aunt Pearl, I thought she was absolutely amazing. Let let's talk a little bit about Breeders' Cup, um, and let's just talk. Let's go for this, Michelle. Here's what I'm going to put to you. Give me your top three performances. Oh, okay. Um, I would have to say Gamine. I'm with you on that. I thought she was absolutely brilliant, breathtaking. I don't have the adjectives to describe Gamine. There were mm -hmm. so many people kind of – I felt like she would, there were people against her, even though she was even money and she was the favorite and blah, blah, blah. I wanted Serengeti Emperor. I thought she was going to throw down, but Gamine got the most beautiful ride ever. That was Johnny super v. smart Yep. and absolutely won that race. I agree with you on Gamine. Who would you say was uh, – uh, who else would you say? Come I on. mean, I feel like Monomoy Girl was pretty – she gave me chills watching her. But yeah. it, I don't know if it was necessarily the performance itself, but just the ease in which she excels late and just how – just her overall body of work, knowing it was her last race, to me that was a very special or race. Or not knowing it was her last race. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. You're right. Yeah, I mean, but thinking but, this was going to be it, right, because she was selling. But I think I think you're right. And the job that Brad Cox did off that lawn layoff, she's undefeated this year. I think she's won something like, you know, 18 or of her 20 races and the one time she was DQ'd. Uh, she's been brilliant. Uh, words. She sold for nine point five million, and and good for Wayne Hughes. I saw Wayne over the weekend. Spendthrift. Obviously, we can talk about authentic and what he meant. I love the picture on Twitter of Wayne on his walker, just watching Baffert yeah. and authentic. I just I thought that was. And he said he said, "Welcome home. Yeah. We've been waiting for you. We've been waiting for you." And it's it just got me chills. I mean, literally, if you know Wayne Hughes at all, you you can't help but root for this guy. What he's done with my racehorse, uh, and what he's done with Spendthrift. Uh, I, I'm so happy for Wayne and his family. I thought Authentic was I, – I, I, we're going to talk about that race in a minute. You know, one of the most impressive races, and we were in it, and our horse didn't run very well, but I thought that – and I loved her going in 
Um, I thought Tanarwa was just absolutely mm-hmm. the way she stormed home and ran right by Magical. I thought that was uber impressive. I, I was. I can't believe away. she paid eleven forty. It's unbelievable. I can't believe I didn't like make a win bet. That was the stupidest I, well, thing. I made a win bet and I had the exacta and I had the juvenile turf to turf. But like at, looking back, I was thinking that the two of them were just going to be hammered. So like I didn't bet as much as I should have. Right. And then looking back, I'm like, that bitch paid eleven forty. Yeah. Like unbelievable. <laughs> like, how did I not? How did that happen? Her? Yeah. How did that happen? Uh, I thought she was uh, uh, amazingly impressive. Um, you know, there were so many great performances. Uh, you know, uh, we talked to Saul about Whitmore, that story. Um, Adara winning it at 18 to 1. Uh, I'm just kind of going through the list right what now. What about Order of Australia? Order of Australia at whatever the price he was. And and he even. Paid, he was like 78 to 1 or yeah. something crazy like And that. even Nick's go, I thought, was really, really impressive. He took all oh. that heat from complexity and just kept going and going and going. Brad Cox had a monster monster couple of days uh, especially winning the uh the juvenile too um so he won four on the weekend uh i'm gonna and- be bitter about the big ass fans dirt mile i'm not gonna kudo okay. that That's horse okay. That's okay. <laughs> but uh ant pearl essential quality nicks go and monomoy girl I, I i don't know how you how you beat that uh in a weekend so congratulations to brad cox and his team uh, michelle was there any what was your what, was there anybody who just disappointed you on the weekend I mean, I was disappointed in Serengeti Empress. I <clears throat> really she thought has a that date, she was going to. I mean, she's still second. That she has a just date? to be fair. Oh no, who's she going to be bred to? Into mischief. Oh well, that's going to be a wicked fast baby. <laughs> I mean, I here's the thing: she still ran second, and she's still one of my favorites because she's so gutty. But I thought she would be closer. Like I thought the finish was going to be a lot closer, right? Yeah. It wasn't really close. Um, so that was a little disappointing for me as much as I was a fan of how we saw um, Gamine win. Yeah. And I, was, I felt I was disappointed like, in Yao Pan. I thought with the yeah, speed, the way the track was playing, the fact that he kind of couldn't make the lead, um, they went fast. They went 21 and 3. Uh, then they, But then they went, uh, let's see, what they do then? Then they went 20, God, 23. For the second, uh, the second yeah. The uh, thing quarter. is, if you went back and watched his races. You had to like ride him, ride him, ride right. him like, the whole time. And it was like they rode him on the gate, and when everyone else was quicker, then they kind of stopped riding him and just let him idle. Yeah. And then they try to like get him going again on the turn, and then another horse had the momentum on the outside, and I think it just kind of chucked him like into a weird spot. I, I was disappointed in that as yeah, well. That was my that was my biggest I think disappointment on the day. But Ron Cat was my first employer in horse racing, so I was really thrilled for him in Whitmore. And I love the fact that when you asked Saul, like what you know, what was one of the ones that stands out? That was the first horse that came to mind. That was really cool. Absolutely, I was disappointed. I was disappointed in Improbable, even though he ran a huge race and ran second. I I thought the you know I, if we were, if we're being critical, I thought the ride. Uh, that I read gave him, and I know he likes to be outside, but the, he was just impossibly wide the entire time. Um, mm-hmm. And the fact that no one—I'm—I'm kind of stunned that no one kind of went up and pressured authentic at all. You know, not think, maximum know, security, why, okay. not tis the law, not uh, by my standards was way back. Tom the top so was way back. I, I was like, why, why like, didn't anyone I, go? That's why I don't put him as, and you know, I've been a fan of his all year, but yeah. that's why his like performance doesn't go to the top of my 
list because they let him get out there by himself. He can go 47 flat all day long with his ears up and you're three lengths back. Yeah, you're dead. You're done. I just, I wasn't you're, crazy about, you're not I wasn't crazy about it. And I had a lot riding to improbable, so that's probably why too, selfishly. Tom um, Tot was uh, disappointing. Totally disappointing. But he'll go and in. He'll Max go into the stunning shed. How do you feel, Michelle, with uh, all these horses? Uh, there's a, uh, so obviously sad. a lot that were sold, a lot that are retired. We won't see authentic run again. Um, uh, you know, we won't see improbable again, and we just kind of have to start over. Mm-hmm. Makes you a little sad, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. All the, especially when you take a look at some of these horses because they have been around for a little bit. You know, I mean, Improbable is a little bit older, so he's been around the block. He's only and four. Tom Sata is six. Yeah, but so he went. We had him through his whole entire three-year-old career, and then they brought him back for a second go. While most of these are leaving at the end of their three-year-old, right? Sure. Monomoy Girl is six. Uh, I just felt like we were. Tr- finally trying to get into a year where we had a lot of horses hanging around and now they're going to be all gone. I can speak from someone who was at Keeneland. They did one hell of a job, um, even though without fans. Uh, and It, it looked- did not look like there were no fans. Can I just say that? I, you know what? Someone else said that to me, Michelle, and it's interesting. Um, there were like 10,000 people. There were not the 10,000 people. I don't think there were more than 3,500 people there or 4,000 people. Well, it just happened they, to show... The camera views, yeah. Well, it, it, it was... It was uh, you just had to be there because when they were in the paddock, everyone who was at the track just walked into the paddock because you had it wasn't like you were sitting there talking to a bunch of people. You mm-hmm. know, if you went to the front side, you'd see that there weren't many people there, and then after the paddock, everyone would just move to the front side. So it, it wherever the cameras were, that's why it seemed like there was big crowds, but there really wasn't a very big crowd. Uh, I thought Keeneland did a hell of a job. The weather was spectacular, Michelle. It was like seventy-five degrees. It was incredible. So uh, kudos to Keeneland. Kudos to the Breeders' Cup. Special thanks to our friends Brandy and and Dora and everybody who worked on Breeders' Cup and 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 took care of us owners. It was a, a spectacular scene. Keeneland could not have been more beautiful. And uh, I know they're going to come back in a couple of years. Next year we we're in Delmar, Michelle. Me and you. That's going to be exciting. Let's yeah. be stars. Why don't we do it? I can't wait. Um, I can't all right. Wait. What's 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 happening around here, Michelle? Is there any other news? I feel like we're all breeder cupped out. Um, congratulations, by the way, to uh, our good friend Marshall Graham, who's been on our show, and J.K., who ran one two in the uh, BCBC. That was awesome, right? I saw the video was, of them. Did they did a kind of that, a, a J.K. interviewed him and so did good. like a whole spiel. Yeah, it's so good. It's like a breakdown of all their bets, why they played what, and they're so. You know, they're very, very good. I mean, very good. They're very like vivacious. If, if they're on, like, if I would consider them, like, on a scale of one to ten of handicappers, they're like tens, right? I, after listening to them, I feel like a one. <laughs> like, I just don't. I, I've what been did this, you feel like before listening to them? I felt like a three. I went okay. like a three to a one. I, I know I can do. I, I had so many good ideas going in, and we'd have to go back and say where we were right and where we were wrong. And Michelle and I haven't had a chance to even go back and look at our, our podcast. I mean, I know that I love Tarnarwa. I know that we said the uh, the horse in the sprint, ter- the turf sprint was going to win. We called glass that. Slipper, yeah. No, 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 not Glass Slipper. Uh, the, 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 the baby. The one that won the first oh, race. Oh, yeah, Golden Pal. Golden Everyone Pal. Everyone knew he was going to yeah, win. Yeah, he was right? just an absolute freak of nature. Um, so I think we, I feel like we got a lot of things right. I don't think we had a terrible year, but I just didn't put it together gambling wise. Right. 
Um, what's what's it. happening around here, Michelle, that we need to know about? Oh, so at Del Mar tomorrow, we've got Beach Boss. So that's where uh, Ray Pollock throws down with a different celebrity guest every week. And I host that online. And Great. they get to talk shit to each other. And it's kind of fun. Beautiful. Uh, we like talking shit. The stakes are the Desi Arnaz and the Bob Hope. Um, and then in two weeks is the Hollywood Turf Cup. Are you running in the Hollywood Turf Cup, Billy? Mm, maybe. 50-50. Don't know yet. We will have some stakes horses. We have uh, Red King, possibly for the Hollywood Gold, Hollywood uh, Turf Cup. Uh, we have a new horse named Beer Can Man that's going to run. Uh, he's a two-year-old. He's going to run in the uh, Cecil B. DeMille. We have, I think, Z Drop. It might run in the Matriarch. So Hollywood Turf Festival will, will be well represented. Scarto, possibly in the uh, Hollywood Derby. All right. What are you running on Sunday? This Sunday? Yeah. Uh, Velvet Queen, on the, back okay. on the grass. Just because you said you were coming down to the races. Yes. I, well, I, I was I really to coming to see you, see you because Travis, uh, your buddy, so he I bought, love Travis. He bought I a, saw a picture of This him. is a great story, and then we'll, then we'll call okay. it quits. So he buys, <clears throat> he buys a vest, and he brings it home, and, and he's, trying, he's trying it on, and I'm like, buddy, that, that, first of all, it's a woman's vest. Second of all, it's way too small. Like you can't. He's like, I know. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm like, well, did you try it on? He goes, no. It just, it just looked good. And I'm like, okay, here's the deal. I have to buy a vest for Michelle Yu. So give me that, and we'll go back tomorrow and we'll get vests. So uh, he did. And uh, so uh, thank you, Travis, for the donation you, to Michelle Yu. And I have your vest, and I will bring it to Delmar Yay, on Sunday. I'm so excited. Uh, thank you to nice Salt Cuman. Thank you to uh, all of our sponsors, Santa Anita and Delmar, and, of course, uh, TaylorMade Sales uh, Stallions, I should say. Uh, Michelle, you're the best. I really have had fun with the Breeders' Cup stuff. Uh, Saul was amazing. And uh, we'll do this again next week. We'll, have some, we'll, we'll head into the Turf Festival. Maybe we'll do a little Turf Festival preview and try to get a good owner there. Well, next week it's your birthday. Is my birthday? Oh, yeah, you're right. Well, we'll do a birthday show. Oh, uh, my gosh. What? We should do a video show since it's your birthday. All right. Maybe we'll try to set that up if, if our audience okay. wants it. Uh, thank you, everybody. This has been the Horse Ownership Experience, and we appreciate everybody who's listening. And, Michelle, you're the best, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. You're listening to The Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. Daddy Longlegs, Scat Daddy's only proven son at stud in North America. Crowned champion freshman sire in Chile, Daddy Longlegs has already sired three graded stakes winners from his first two crops of runners, including a champion two-year-old colt. A talented runner himself who won multiple graded stakes on multiple surfaces, he's passing that versatility onto his progeny with stakes winners on dirt and turf. Daddy Longlegs, a tailor-made stallion. Call today to book.